From Phantoms by Dean Kuntz There are silences and silences. No one of them is like another. There is the silence of grief in velvet-draped rooms of a plushly carpeted funeral parlor, which is far different from the bleak and terrible silence of grief in a widower's lonely bedroom. This is Gothic. Previously on Gothic, we left our travelers, Lori, Grace Moreau, Chauncey Candlewick, as they had just appeared in the Chamber of Judgment among the Council of Angels. But before we return to them and their fate, let's take a little detour, shall we? Just a small one. Let's journey to the Contemporary Now. The stories in the Kansas City Star read, Lifestyles reporter gone missing during trip to central Missouri, and Haven Harrow's car found near Brookfield, and still no clues in case of missing reporter. When Haven Harrow went east on Highway 36, her superiors thought she was going to be writing a fluff piece about The House, a new horror-themed hotel just opened in what had been, during its long history, a military academy, the first osteopathic sanitarium in the world, and low-income housing for the senior community of Macon, Missouri. No one was quite sure why the developer, a company based out of Chicago, would choose Macon, a small town perched at the intersections of highways 36 and 63, for its newest venture. But then, their three other horror-themed hotels, all called The House, were also located in smaller, more rural locales. All seemed to be doing well, though the company, House Unlimited, was privately owned and its records were not public. Haven had some suspicions, and she wanted to follow up on them. So yes, she would do the fluff piece, but she would also try and pierce the veil of secrecy around House Unlimited, its enigmatic CEO, and the stories that surrounded the house properties themselves. And it didn't hurt that the spooky nature of the assignment would let her record an episode of the podcast either. She and her partner hadn't gotten one out in a while. It was with these thoughts forefront in her mind that Haven drove past the bass relief lions on their pillars to either side of the long driveway leading up to the house. Three days later, Haven Harrow's car was found abandoned some 30 miles west of Macon, near the town of Brookfield. Despite an investigation by local and state police, little evidence was forthcoming. That was one year ago. I want to talk about your characters and your connections with one another before we get started. Uh, let's go around the table and find out uh, what everybody is playing and who. Jesse, who are you playing? All right, I picked the mundane playbook, and the character is Larry Jace Bradley, man. Some people call me Larry, some people call me LJ. Um, <laughs> So uh, I'm I'm a I'm a motorcycle repairman. I spend my time cruising around the Midwest, uh, and I just I just love seeing new places and meeting new people. What kind of bike you got? Uh, Harley, of course. Oh, of course. What else do you need to know about Larry, man? <laughs> <laughs> That's all you need to know about Larry. <laughs> um, let's get some ideas of what everybody else is playing then. Sharon. I am playing Doctor. Grace Moreau, who goes by Dr. Grace because Dr. Moreau has some literary connotations she doesn't like to be associated with. She is uh, the Mad Scientist playbook, and she has been spending her recent years uh, obsessed with a podcast, uh, which is uh, invest... Who is it, ours? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, uh, 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 not to break the fourth wall or anything. No, she... (laughs) 
She and a friend of hers who she met online a long time ago, uh, Haven Harrow, do this podcast that's it's a lot of urban exploration. It's kind of checking out haunted buildings, haunted sites. They're after uh, American West and uh, Midwest uh, legends and folk stories and stuff like that. And so things like, they're all about things like Wendigos. They've tried to go down to Skinwalker Ranch, but I don't know if it's been like successful. Anyway, that kind of stuff. Dr. Grace is kind of the techie side of the uh, of the duo. Uh, Nathan, what are you what are you playing here in the contemporary now? Okay, I am playing Jacob Candle. Uh, this is from the uh, what's it called, the Wronged Playbook. I'm playing a basically middle aged disgraced cop from Texas, who uh, a man who's who's lost a lot to the basically to the darker side of of uh of what's really going on these monsters he remains a skeptic had an unfortunate instance with a coma and lost his reputation lost his family and turned to the bottle for sucker from that uh i am i've been traveling around trying to prove horrible things that have happened to him whether or not they actually uh did happen and that there are monsters out there or if he's just playing crazy. He doesn't know yet. So. How long were you in a coma? Uh, four years. Four years. Four years. Basically uh, had an issue where his partner was telling him that there was body snatchers, doppelgangers taking over the, the police department. He kind of laughed until people, he started actually noticing that people weren't acting the way they were. And as soon as he tried to blow the whistle on it, he had a mysterious car crash, landed him in a coma, came out of it. His whole life has changed. The, the police department's completely gone all records of what had happened have been mysteriously been misplaced and everybody thinks he's crazy so uh he's out to prove that he's either uh the sanest man here or um he really is just some kind of alcoholic who uh is better left in the ditch well let's uh find out how you know one another um sharon how does grace know these guys well given what uh, jacob just told us about his history and uh kind of mental state i'm gonna pick the uh one that says jacob is suffering from dark temptations ask them how they think you can help them all right i'm gonna say it ties in with what with what i want to give grace but we'll get to that mm. in a second but i'm gonna i'm gonna mm. say that uh he believes he's crazy but also believes that perhaps grace might actually know what she's talking about as opposed to everyone else who keeps laughing at him and and he, he's he's come close to self-destruction a couple of times and I, I think grace's voice of wisdom in her podcast has kind of brought him back down to earth a little bit mm-hmm. uh, so almost like a, a therapist sort of thing <laughs> <laughs> this this mad scientist over here proves I'm not crazy <laughs> damn it Jacob I'm a doctor not a therapist you were a fanatic follower of the podcast then. Yes. Yeah. Well, I'll tell about when we, we get to mine. Uh, yeah. And for, um, do you prefer Larry or LJ? LJ? LJ. All right. LJ has known you since their childhood. I was thinking online, uh, seeing as Dr. Gay spent a lot of kind of the, uh, you know, 12 to 16 online. Uh, tell them why you could never hurt them. Why? He's my friend. Of course, I've never heard him. Also, I really, really enjoy his totally lackadaisical attitude. And when I like walk through a space carrying some crazy gigantic wrench or something, he just doesn't question it. And I really appreciate that in a person. <laughs> nice. Well, let's go with well, let's go with uh, you, uh, Nathan. Uh, I'm sorry, with Jacob Candle. What is that connection that you were talking about with uh, Dr. Grace? Uh, with Dr. Grace, I, I chose, uh, you respect their hard-earned knowledge and often come to them for advice. Uh, when, when Jacob first started losing his mind and at, coming out of that coma and everybody was thinking he was crazy, I'm going to say that he stumbled upon Grace's little podcast or whatever and her professional little monster hunting. He kind of latched on to that as a anchor to kind of hold himself center. So you're like the voice of reason for him. <laughs> Mm-hmm. At least when it comes to this crazy stuff. Like, no, Jacob, don't go down the haunted mine. Oh, there ain't nothing down there. <laughs> and how about Biker Boy? What's your connection there? With LJ, I'm going to say I want to have a more recent connection with LJ. Uh, it says, they saw you absolutely lose it and go berserk. Tell them the situ- what the situation was 
and ask them how much collateral damage you caused. So I'm going to say that not too soon before meeting up here that uh, we happened to run into each other at a, uh, a biker bar since you like to, to frequent those sort of things and I'm always on the road. I'm a- well, yeah, man. I mean, what do you expect? Here's a bit of trivia. Hmm. Roadhouse supposedly takes place, I believe, in Missouri. I believe it does. Yeah. Oh, cool. In Jasper. In Jasper. So... Yeah, I believe it is. Yeah, it's Jasper. So, uh, but uh, we can we can put this little roadhouse that uh, you <laughs> you meet LJ in just outside of Kansas City, which is nice. where everything is going to have started because that's where uh, Haven Harrow is based out of, Ooh. and that's probably where you would all have started looking for her. All right, perfect. Well, I'm going to say that we, we met in a, a, a bar, that little biker bar or whatever, and basically Jacob lost his shit, started thinking that the doppelganger people were back and that they were somewhere in the bar, and he started just, like, he basically started a huge bar fight, smashing people over the head, losing his cool all the way. And so my ask, my, the question wants me to ask you is ask them how much collateral damage I caused. Well, besides some of my best buds that you freaking bloodied their faces... I mean, you totally ruined some sweet cherry rides, and that just hurts my feelings that you that, that you take it out against like inanimate objects. I mean, it's not their fault. I mean, I get that people piss you off, but come on, dude. God damn, I already want to strangle him. <laughs> Paint a picture for us, LJ. What did uh, Jacob Candle do to the uh, the poor innocent? motorcycles in the parking lot of the roadhouse well i mean it started out as just like a regular bar brawl that patrick swayze was <laughs> unable to stop well yeah and screw that pretty boy man uh but anyway uh so I, I i don't even know this guy but all of a sudden he's like throwing beef and it's like it's a it's a bar it happens you know so you know fight fight yeah next thing i know people are going through windows yeah i love carnage but then the next thing i know he's like dragging this guy out and beating him on the side of the pavement and then he kicks his bike and i'm like dude and and some of my buddies are all like dude and and he's all like bam 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 and then like next thing i know bikes are falling over uh there's i got blood on one of my favorite jackets it was it was a mess man yeah so like i grew up with this this amazing girl um haven and we spent so much time together and it was just kind of cool when i got to know uh well now known as dr grace uh but grace was always way cool with me um and she like introduced me to like the existence of the paranormal and monsters and all that stuff so like i'm like really cool with all of that and i thought that you know i've been in some pretty freaky situations myself so it always kind of like harkened back to those times and talking about the paranormal with grace um yeah and that ex-cop guy man i'm just way suspicious of them um i mean i did watch them like lose their shit and trash my favorite bar (laughs) did you know lj at the time that jacob knew haven and dr grace no, man. This this was our first time meeting, and he freaking blows his lid, and like, <laughs> man, that was my favorite glass of tequila ever. <laughs> so already our characters back at not trusting each other. This is perfect. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the names might be different, but the hatred endures. One year ago, one year ago, a new hotel opened up in Macon, Missouri, population 5,974. The hotel was a theme hotel, promising the spookiest, most haunted stay that you have ever experienced. It's uh, one of a burgeoning number of these in the United States, but uh, this one was the largest and the most flamboyantly opened. It had uh, advertisements uh, running all over um, the world, not just the United States. The uh, owner, uh, the the entrepreneur who created the hotel, he spared no expense. These are luxury rooms. Unless I misunderstood the amount of money you guys have, none of you can afford a room at what is called 
the house. In fact, uh, many of his guests are flown in by private helicopter from either the Kansas City or St. Louis airports, whichever one they happen to fly into. And then the house flies them out to Macon to a private helipad where they then get to go in and enjoy their, their haunted experience. Uh, it goes for something like 1200 bucks a night. God damn. And there actually is a clause that you have to stay for three nights. So <laughs> you're looking at, you know, $3,600 for your stay. However, occasionally there are contests uh, and contest winners who can stay at the house. Occasionally there are promotions. And a year ago, when it first opened, the house was first opened not to the Glitterati, but to people who would be most able to spread the word. Among those people was one Haven Harrow of the Kansas City Star, a reporter there, although uh, mostly relegated to fluff pieces. But online, she held a much more important role, that of uh, a podcast host of a very popular haunted house and folklore podcast. So, Haven Harrow went to the house not just to do a fluff piece for the Kansas City Star, but also to do a piece for her podcast. She was unable to take her tech guru with her, that being um, Dr. Grace Moreau, because honestly, most of the podcast was done remotely. They don't necessarily live in the same place. Do you live in the same place? I shouldn't think so. Where did you live before the events of this incident, uh, Dr. Grace? I'd say it's a little further west. Uh, Dr. Grace is probably quite secretive about where she ac actually lives. But she showed up to Macon in a, you know, a large converted sprinter van that seems to have everything she needs in it. So it's questionable as to whether she does have a permanent address. Do you show up in Macon first or do you show up in Kansas City first where... I, I knew she was going to Macon, okay. you know, and uh, I imagine we would have, you know, she would have touched base with me as she arrived. Okay. Anyway, uh, she was unable to take her tech guru with her, although had she had every intention of um, sharing the podcast with her later. But since she was on assignment for the Kansas City Star, she also did some investigative work into the mysterious owner slash proprietor slash entrepreneur who created the house and discovered, as best you all have been able to determine from, well, you, Dr. Grace, have been able to determine from what text messages and notes you got before Haven went to the, um, the house, that there was uh, some suspicious money trail stuff going on with the other, the houses, much smaller enterprises, uh, although apparently lucrative on paper, but Haven said that there was something going on there. Uh, she wanted to get into that a bit more, too, during this fluff piece investigation slash podcast. So so this uh, this proprietor has like a chain of, of establishments that they operate? There are, yeah, there are at least these three hotels. Uh, as far as you know, that's it. But uh, Haven did not tell you anything about, she didn't give you like her detailed notes or anything. You know, that would be on her, um, on her laptop and that has never been found. Yeah. So that was a year ago. Oh. In that time, the local police department, as far as uh, research goes online, go, uh, which is very little, um, the local police department put out notices of a missing persons, but eventually the case just got relegated to, it's one of those things that happens. Haven traveled there on her own in her 1998 Yugo that was found on Highway 36, headed toward Kansas City, about 40 miles away from uh, Macon, uh, abandoned, apparently. And that's uh, where the uh, police department had to leave it as an open case. No body has ever been found. That was her vehicle? Her 1998 Yugo? Yeah. Yeah. She wanted to upgrade to a Prius, but she hadn't gotten the money yet. <laughs> she always was into these newfangled electric cars. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> 
Uh, anybody have any questions about that before you arrive in Macon that we might want to address? Any inquiries you made outside of the Macon area? And also, uh, I guess I need to know, have you hooked up all three of you and are headed there? Or are you going, are you, have you arrived in Macon separately? So that's that's also something we need to find out. Yeah, I, I was figuring I was just going to meet you, meet you there. So... Jacob, you found out about this because of the podcast? Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say... Dr. Grace, have you taken over the podcast since Haven's disappearance? And has it turned into a Where's Haven kind of thing? Yeah, I was going to say probably the podcast... Actually, this could be one of those big like internet things where like somebody disappears from the face of the internet for a while. And uh, so the podcast has been going through its regular updates, which weren't like super frequent, but, you know, allowing for travel time and things like that. But it just didn't update and didn't update and didn't update. And finally, I had to say something and put out that that uh, to our Alora fans that my dear friend Haven had disappeared on this latest uh, exploration of hers and that I was going after her and to see if I could find out what happened so i put out just a very short episode that was just kind of me explaining what was going on and uh, i imagine there's been a lot of uh speculation so mostly twitter communication you know social media contact with your fans yeah and such but no more only like only like one or maybe two uh actual podcasts where you went on and said hey this is what happened. Yeah, maybe I like uploaded the incomplete one that we had been editing and stuff like that just just for filler while I uh, traveled over to Missouri. I think uh, for for Jacob, I'm gonna pick up on that since that's kind of our little connection. Yeah, and I'm the I'm the kind of I'm the kind of guy who like types in all caps. You know, it responds with emails like that. <laughs> was, except, except the first letter of every word is is lowercase because you don't realize you have caps lock on. But uh, I, I even do that on my phone when I try to figure out how to do the phone. At this point, you know how it works. You just do it on purpose because you think. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I'm going to hear about this and the whole idea that some uh, someone's gone missing, another person's gone missing to me, and uh, just because I had that little heartfelt connection. And I'm going to type as best I can, basically, if you thought there might be actual some physical trouble, I would be willing to be some kind of muscle to take care of it. I mean, more than, I'd say this all private, like, more than willing. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> so you, Jacob, uh, had this encounter more recently with uh, LJ. LJ, what's taking you to Macon? Well, I, I'm not into all that whole podcasting thing. It's like all of that technology stuff doesn't go through my brain like a nice panhandle does. So it's like I leave that to some of my to some of my good friends from my childhood, like Gracie, man. Um, but 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 I tell you what, man. Gracie called and said that our friend Haven was in trouble. She's going to investigate and, and thought it'd be cool if I could come and help find out what's going on. So yeah, that's why I'm heading to Macon. Grace, you're the uh, essentially the catalyst here, uh, Dr. Grace. Yeah, I guess so. Why did it take you a year to get around to going to Macon proper and starting your investigation? Kind of my immediate reaction is that it took me a while to, to mobilize myself because I was kind of following the uh, police investigation, calling them 12 times a day and stuff like that and seeing if I could you know get any more information out of them. By the time... It looked like nothing new was going to be forthcoming and they were going to shelve the investigation. It had already been probably a couple months. And, you know, so then it was kind of a matter of packing up and going. I kind of imagined originally that I had actually been in Macon for a while and was like set up renting a room and, you know, have finally kind of been like, I can't, I can't figure things out by myself. And if these people want to help, then I'll let them. Call the crazy drunk. Call the crazy drunk, you know. <laughs> So the Kansas City Star also did an investigation. A reporter who apparently knew Haven a little bit, at least, uh, from the uh, offices, went and did a piece on missing persons along Highway 36. And apparently there have been some disappearances along that stretch of highway, but they did not come up with anything substantive. They did a, essentially a piece on, it, it was just a, a, a stats and basics 
background piece on um, disappearances and vanishments and and how many happen in the United States every year and how many happen in Missouri. And and it does seem that the average is a bit higher for those traveling along Highway 36. Like that uh, Ghosts of Route 20 thing the Oregonian did last year? That, that was about a that was about a specific serial killer though not just like disappearances but like a similar thing yes probably just like that one <laughs> uh, grace you've been in Macon for a few days then are you staying in your car in Macon or do you have a place that you're staying no I am renting a room above the uh, Maples repertory theater right in downtown well what can be said to be downtown right in the heart of things yeah you know I thought of it was it was close to everything. My van's kind of, it's like 15 feet long, and it's really awkward uh, as, (laughs) as, uh, you know, the less I have to drive, the better. Plus, I don't want to be, like, having this big, giant van that might be recognized later. So what'd you do with your van? Hmm. I mean, parking in Macon is free. You know, come to think of it, it being parked in that that little space behind the theater might be uh, just for the theater, so... Maybe it's parked in this little... Are you looking at the map on Google? Yeah, I'm looking at the map on Google. Maybe it's uh, maybe it's in that little dirt lot up to the north of the theater, and I can kind of walk over to it whenever I need. Okay. LJ, uh, how do you roll into town? Well, on my 1981 Milwaukee edition Sportster, of course. <laughs> he just spent this entire time uh, looking at cool motorcycles. <laughs> I've got a friend... Uh, that works at, um, they, they have a little, like, house above their tattoo shop, right off of 63 there. Is this somebody you knew, uh... Yeah, just from running through town before, I got a couple of pieces done there. Uh, they work at the Beauty and Pain Tattoo. Lars, man, he's great. So where are you out of, LJ? Where am I out of? I like to think that I'm kind of, like, part of everywhere. I, I... I'm gonna strangle him. <laughs> <laughs> I am born of the road, man. God damn it. (laughs) But if you're talking about where I was born, somewhere in Ohio, I don't know. It was on the road for real. When did you get here in relation to Dr. Grace? More recently. It took me a while to drive in because I was actually up in North Dakota at the time. You came down 35, then came across on 36 out of uh, Kansas City. That would have been when you encountered... Jacob Candle. Jacob Candle, uh, when did you roll into town? The night of. I'm pretty much fresh off the boat here, just just getting into town. Came in through, was messing around wherever I, I ran into my soon-to-be strangled motorcycle friend. <laughs> Went to St. Joe, headed east for St. Joe when I, when I heard that Doc was in trouble and I was looking for some help. And I want to say I just showed up in the town, pulled up, you know, old 1970s Chevrolet pickup truck orange pickup truck gotta be orange because i'm from texas you know pull up there you know, give them my, my creaky door you know the, that sound that those doors make when you creak them just right those old ones gotta get out of there take a couple swigs from a bottle of jack throw it back in there we just see your boots and, first and somebody uh, across the street is playing the harmonica soulfully god damn well, i'd like to think i showed up in the middle of the night yeah if, they, if they're out here in the middle of the night oh Oh, that was the best time I did to play harmonica. Man. That gets that gets my my crazy up. Um, <laughs> but I'm gonna, so I'm gonna take a couple more drinks from my bottle of Jack, throw it back in there. I'm gonna go open up the hood of my pickup truck, which is now smoking. Uh, you know, kind of just like <laughs> pick it up, have a look inside, and take off my cowboy hat, my nice little stets. And the only thing that's nice about me, I haven't I haven't washed my clothes in like I've been wearing the same pair of jeans for the last six days. And I'm gonna sit there just fan it a little bit. <laughs> Look around. I'm gonna keep that that uh, that harmonica boy in my eye. <laughs> Jacob, did you say? Did you say you had horns on the front? Of no, your, no, I'm like not a... that fancy. Not that fancy. I was gonna say you should. You should. I could, but I probably pawned that off for booze. The Gothic podcast does not uh, endorse <laughs> drinking and driving. I, I agree. Everyone. This man is a death wish. Don't follow his example, kids. <laughs> Yeah, but drinking and podcasting, man, that's, we're all for that. Drinking and podcasting is the best. <laughs> uh, you should have the little plaque that you mount horns on, but it's on your truck, and you can see where the horns where used the to horns go. the horns were, they're gone. <laughs> yeah. I'm like going to, you know, try to reach into the engine a little bit, burn my hand on something, start cussing aloud, uh, kick the truck a couple of times, stare. I'm going to like just, just, just mean eye that harmonica player across the street. I'm going to wait till he does something, and I'm just... <laughs> I've just invented this random harmonica man, and I feel bad for him now. 
He's one of them. <laughs> so, Jacob, you just rolled in, but LJ, you uh, got a text message a little while ago uh, from, from Dr. Grace saying to meet her. So you are all about to meet at uh, the Smokehouse, um, which is a barbecue place. It's open late, good late night happy That's hour. I like it. So, uh, Dr. Grace, you have acquired seating in there. Is it going to be something in the middle of the room? You going to take a booth somewhere? What oh, heck want? no. My back's to the wall. Are you kidding me? This, by the way, is a peanuts on the floor kind of place. Ooh, I love those places. And this, the smell of grilled and grilling uh, smoked brisket is uh, thick in hey, the air. don't get me the wrong. The smokehouse has some really killer food. But it's right next to the freaking police department, man. Ugh. LJ, gonna say you're probably there first, so you're sliding into the booth just as as Jacob rolls in through the front door, looks around, spots Dr. Grace, and then Jacob, you also spot that guy. Yeah, my eyes are gonna be white. You didn't ever hear that Kill Bill music? The... <laughs> it's like it's one of them. They're following me. I'm gonna like start looking for all the exits. <laughs> the camera zooms in on your eyeballs. I'm gonna look over there and make sure that is Grace, right? That. That's Grace. Well, I don't know. Mm. I mean, it could be, or it right, could I'm gonna be a body check double. the nice big bulge in my my underarm holster for my big old three fifty seven. I was I was worried for a moment. <laughs> hey, I was not I was not going for that direction. I'm gonna take out my little hip flask, get get a little more jack in me, put it back up, and I'm gonna just walk towards. It. I'm just gonna just mean mug the crap out of this this body snatching dangerous alien. I notice you meandering over to my good friend from my childhood, and I ask, "Hey, Gracie, is this man bothering you?" Uh, no, LJ. This is the uh, this is the other man that I asked to come here today. This guy, Jacob. 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 Can you can you put the side eye away, please? I'm gonna, I'm gonna like just flash my teeth. I got a bunch of that chew in my mouth. I'm just gonna flash my teeth at you. A uh, waitress uh, comes over. She's wearing the standard for Macon, uh, cut-off shorts, and a T-shirt that uh, says, um, Macon, Missouri, it's a place. (laughs) (laughs) If anyone's listening who lives in Macon, we're sorry. I'm not. If you're a harmonica person in Macon, you had this coming. (laughs) They're completely with us on this. (laughs) And I can do this because I'm from Missouri. (laughs) If you're a person who lives in Macon who plays the harmonica, please send us a video of yourself playing the harmonica. I'm going to take a seat directly across the table from LJ. I'm going to have uh, a strong hand underneath the table and my other hand on top of the table. And I'm just going to just mean mug him the entire time. The waitress says, um, well, as she chews her gum, well, it must be fate then. <laughs> and says, can I take your order? <laughs> so she does. Which uh, presumably involves some alcohol for Jacob, at least. Um, also, I'm going to go ahead and tell you that I'm sorry, but Missouri doesn't do tater tots uh, the way that Portland does. What? However, you can get a uh, pork tenderloin sandwich where the pork tenderloin is roughly the size of Sharon's head. I'm going to get that. Please give me the pork tenderloin sandwich where the sandwich is the size of my face. Uh, got it. And an iced tea. So she takes the rest of the orders and wanders off. So here you are. I have no money for food, and I'm just going to just sit there and eat their peanuts while we talk. <laughs> so, Dot, uh, how, how's your health? Well, um, I am perfectly fine. Thank you very much. How are you? I, I'd do better if you could explain to me why this some bitch is sitting across the table from me. Yes, I, I noticed the absolute death glare you were directing in his direction. This man attacked me not too many nights ago. Dude, you like totally attacked the whole bar. Don't blame this on me. Jacob, did he really attack you? Uh, my details of the night are a little fuzzy. All I know is that, that uh, those bikes had it coming to him. Anyway, but you know this man? You attacked some bikes. They, I, uh, you know, they, they, yeah, you know. Jacob did the bikes move. Were they anything other than what appeared to be ordinary bikes? Uh, I'd rather not talk about it right now, but. Well, you know, we need to save our energy. Should I, like, let you guys have a moment for, like, doctor-patient confidentiality bullshit? Listen here, you son of a bitch. No, no, that's fine. (laughs) You stay out of my business. Well, you're talking to my good friend from childhood, man, so uh, it's my business, too. Jacob, this is LJ. Dr. Grace, do you actually know uh, Jacob from real life or just online? You know, I don't think 
so. I feel like this might be the first time we've ever seen each other in real life before. Probably. I feel like that'd be the same. You know, I can imagine Jacob being the kind of person who's like, this is what I look like. And he sends like a picture where like he's in the bottom left-hand corner <laughs> and there's like a tree or something. Like it's way up. It's a blurry and he's got a big yeah, hat. I don't know how to operate this phone fangled selfie camera. He takes like the worst selfies in existence and it's amazing. Uh, oh, here we go. He has a thing about proving that he is who he says he is and is constantly... Oh, yes. Yeah, wouldn't that be like... Yeah. Actually, that makes sense. So you you probably have like some sort of signal you can give one another, some Ooh. code word or something. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. Um, jalapeno. Ah, nice, nice. And I got... Uh, oh, oh, also, I'm going to flash my big-ass belt buckle. So one of you says jalapeno. What's the response? Jalapeno. <laughs> Waitress, can I have some jalapenos on my pork loin sandwich that's the size of my face, please? You got any of them there, jalapenos? I'm sorry, sir. I don't know what a jalapeno is. <laughs> what in the hell is going on here? LJ, just say jalapeno to him. You don't have to hide it in a sentence like I do. <laughs> jalapeno. Ooh, jalapeno poppers sound good. They got those here? Uh, yes, waitress. Can we have some jalapeno poppers? Uh, yes, we have plenty of jalapenos, yeah. says the waitress. She's just like... <laughs> jalapenos for everyone, then, I guess. I'll just stick with peanuts, thank you. I'll be right back. I'll bring you some more, sir. <laughs> I turned to Jacob. Are you satisfied? Enjoy your water. For now. For now. Okay. So, uh, what's what's going on? What's the skinny? What are, we, what are we doing here? You both got my message, I assume, since you're here. Yes. Our mutual friend and my co-host, Haven Harrow, has uh, gone missing. It's been about a year. Uh, actually, uh, 11 months, uh, three weeks, and four days. Anyway, um, the police department, obviously, is not any longer going to be of any help, and neither is the Kansas City Star, which seems to insist upon writing vague fluff pieces rather than doing any kind of interesting, important journalism. Uh, All right, Gracie, where do we start looking? I would like to start by retracing Haven's steps. I have a collection of texts and emails that she sent me. I've only combed over them two dozen times, but perhaps a couple pairs of fresh eyes could help. Uh, While the house is rather pricey and requires a three-night commitment, so we probably won't be able to stay there. However, the proprietor does seem insistent upon showing off the historic building, so perhaps we can finagle our way into some sort of... So let me get this right. Where exactly do do we expect your friend... Where'd she supposedly disappear inside this house inside this town inside this town for sure uh they said they found her car patrick did you say it was headed back towards kansas city it's headed west on 36 about 30 miles yeah so you're saying that she disappeared here and they they dropped her car off out out west well that could have happened or she could have driven outside of town parked the car on the side of the road for some reason and vanished into the countryside. That's going to be one of, have to be one of the avenues that we explore. The waitress who uh, brings her drinks and, uh, and food at this point says, um, well, uh, instead of starting at the beginning, shouldn't you like trace back? I mean, that's what they always do on uh, all those true crime shows I watch. Hi, I'm Casey. Hi, the fuck With a K. Hello, Casey. I'm Gracie. I'm just kidding. Oh, man. So this random bartender just walks up and just starts spouting off? She heads off. Yeah, it's interesting uh, waitstaff they have. Yeah, I'm going to start like, I... Yeah, strangely, the uh, the uh, waitresses here all look kind of similar. Oh, no. You, oh, God. No. No. <laughs> I think you invented a personal hell for Jacob. Oh, okay. Well, what did the alien say? I've thought about this. What she, what'd she say? Jacob, she's a waitress. <laughs> Uh, she suggested that we start at the end, uh, the last point where we knew that Haven visited and work our way backwards to the first place where she was known to have entered Maine. Did you say it was west on the 36? West on 36. We could measure out, uh, they said, Patrick, did they say exactly 30 miles or like, did they specify a mile marker? You can find out exactly where. It's it's roughly 30 miles. It's not exactly, no. Could I make an argument that I have acquired the police file uh, or copy of the police report? Well, that's going to have to be, may I have a drum roll, please, and investigate a mystery. Hey. Woo! First roll Sweet. of the night. Okay, investigate a mystery is sharp. Sharp. Seven plus two is nine, which gives me one hold. Hmm. I mean, none of these questions are like, have I acquired the police report? How about where did it, where did it go? It being the car. There you go. The police reports 
that you managed to get a hold of, Dr. Grace, uh, indicate to you that the car was found, and, and it never specifically said the milepost in any of the public documents, but it is listed in the police reports that it is just about um, two miles before the Freedom Baptist Church outside of Brookfield on Highway 36. And that's a stretch of um, highway that is just fields and trees. Let's go check it out. Come on, gang. Where's this at? It is the middle of the night when Jacob finally got in. Let us us leave at dawn. Dawn? All right. Jacob... I I mean, I don't want to tell you how your character is or anything, but I doubt you've done anything at dawn for the past few years. I sleep in that pickup. I get the little roll-down windows. I put my feet up in there, put my hat down over my head, you know. I just, I, when the sun comes up, the sun comes up. What color is your Stetson? Uh, it's just brown. It's nothing too special fancy was it always brown or is it brown now it's actually the only thing that i i take genuinely good care of. i care about my oh, hat okay, cool. all right oh oh a hat a hat link <laughs> the boots not so much the boots are old and raggedy but the, the hat has very important i take good care of my hat and my bolo tie uh so i guess we do that so you want to leave in the morning then and you want to talk about anything else tonight I don't think there's much to talk about. Do either of you have any specific concerns? Did she did she contact either of you? I I did ask some of her coworkers and uh, and her family members in Kansas City. Uh, it's 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 been a few years since I've talked to Haven. This is like the first I've heard of any of this. No, I don't think I would. I'm gonna pull out my cell phone. It's all like cracked to shit, and you know, I'm gonna start looking through it. And like, I know there's a way to check my mail on here somehow, but I don't know how to do it. Yeah, well. I- I can show you if you just... Okay, wait, 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 wait. This is good. Investigate a mystery, Jacob. Oh, okay. All the right. mystery of your phone. <laughs> <laughs> this is great. This is great. Okay, so uh, investigating a mystery. Here we go. You've like, you've, like, downloaded all these apps that had, like, bugs and stuff and, like, <laughs> pop-up ads keep coming up. All right, so here we go. Investigating a mystery. Here we go. Uh, that's a 12. Oh, Wow. Nice. You 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 have to have uh Dr. Grace show you how to access your mail on your phone. It's I I've stepped on this thing so many times. Um but when you do, you you see all these messages and they're from I mean most of them are are it's most of it's porn. Oh yeah, it's probably porn. Uh, but um, ads. There's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of ads and there's a lot of ads for porn and a lot of conspiracy theory um uh, newsletters that you've signed oh, up sure. for and never knew why you they never sent you anything i make a mental note of some of those but then there's also some correspondence from haven oh and it's it's right there i'm gonna point it out it's like hey it looks like she tried to message me she she did try to message you okay so i'm gonna start looking at these the message says jacob i was going to send this to dr grace but i'm afraid that she might be watched and i pretty sure that you are not so do keep this safe this is everything that i have found on the house llc what haven if anything happens to me make sure this gets to my colleague dr grace xoxo haven (laughs) Uh, she she answers every email that way. Pay no attention to that. Give me the phone. Let me see. So I'm gonna try to try to look at it real quick. And as I'm looking at it, I'm just gonna delete the email and send it to the trash bin. No. And I was like, I'm gonna ask for your help. Please, please help. <laughs> you can access your trash for 30 days. It only gets deleted after 30 days. See here, you press trash. Oh, yeah. Oh. Okay. Oh. Oh. You open it. Oh. Click on the email and say return to inbox and do not delete this email ever again. I'm sending it to myself immediately. Well, bless your heart. Four email addresses that I sent it to. So the document is a PDF and it does have a lot of very dense information. Uh, what I'm going to allow you to use this for is whenever you want to investigate a mystery about something dealing with the house, uh, this will give you a uh, plus one ongoing. Oh, nice. All right, excellent. I'm going to just copy that, reply all, (laughs) forward. Won't that, uh, all right, if you insist. I mean, she won't, it'll just go to an inbox that won't ever be checked. Okay, all right. I'm glad somebody's good with all that newfangled technology stuff. You could be too if you just gave it a try. You know, I told if you, you if all you those circuitry and gadgets I don't get. 
give me give me some good old fashioned gas and a rotation motor. It's like so you guys just kind of want to chill in town for the night and then head out in the morning. Yes. Yes, I, I assume we would like. I sleep at daylight night. to inspect the side of a road. Don't worry about it. I'll check it out. Which, by the way, is one of my moves. LJ, LJ, before you leave, let me show you how to turn your phone on. It's on. So that, I, so that you can contact the lights me on. If I can wrong. see the clock. I flip it open. I press the buttons, and it makes a call. It's a Motorola. <laughs> I totally have a flip phone. <laughs> you liked phone. it because it had motor in it. So yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do the don't worry, I'll check it out move. Whenever I go off by myself to check out somewhere or something scary, mark experience. I'm like so absorbed reading this PDF that I'm just like, uh, uh, all right, I'll see you in the morning. I'll be there. Keep your phone on. It's on. So Jacob and uh, Dr. Race, you head back to your respective abodes, one of them with a bed and one of them with a bed, but that you're not sleeping in because it's the bed of your truck. It's like in the parking lot. I don't even sleep in the back. That's where all the beer cans are. I like sleeping in the cab with my feet hanging out the window. Watching with my hand on my 357. And Dr. Grace, you go back uh, to the um, to the theater. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm like walking down the sidewalk with my nose like two inches from my phone, reading the PDF. And LJ, you get on your bike and roar off into the night, heading off to Brookfield. <laughs> nice. As you depart. The smokehouse, you go out into the street lamp lit darkness of Macon, Missouri, and in a way you can feel the weight of that darkness in the Midwest. A darkness that, despite the lights along the sidewalks, um, seems to press down upon the city. Uh, seems to, you almost seem to feel it across the cornfields and wheat fields outside of town, um, through the dense groves of trees, through the heavily wooded river and creek beds where hunters might find themselves during the regular seasons spooked, perhaps, because the fog that rises up from the waters takes on the forms of something that maybe they didn't expect to see or they hear a noise they didn't expect to hear. Yet, you also feel a sense of almost relief, or even better yet, of anticipation, as you begin your investigation into the disappearance of Haven Harrow. LJ, you straddle your motorcycle, rev it into life. For a moment, it is the only sound that anyone can hear, and you rev it up, and then squeal off into the night. The roads are like the veins that my blood is carried through. You roar off down 36, so the moisture in the air, it, it's like mist against you as you um, ride through the night. LJ goes riding off into the night. Dr. Grace, you bid good evening to Jacob and walk back down. I assume you're walk, you walked rather than drove up here. Yeah, it's, it's like two blocks away. So you walk back to the theater, and uh, as you put your hand on the door, a chill runs through your body, and you almost can't help but look around. It's almost as if you're being watched, and yet when you look around, there's, there's no one on the street, not even, not even a harmonica player. <laughs> yeah, harmonica players. Give him that stink eye, he walk off. Uh, Jacob, you head back to your truck, which isn't too too far away either near, near the near the dumpsters you know out of sight a little out of sight i try i try to be inconspicuous with the parking because i don't want to be bothered in the middle of the night but i'm also scared of the dark because there's like doppelgangers and lizard people out there dr grace to uh, get to your apartments there actually isn't a separate entrance you have a key to the theater itself and uh, yeah. that allows you to go into the main theater and then there are uh, in the lobby you have the choice of going back into the actual playhouse area uh, or you can take some stairs that go up above the uh, lobby to uh, some rooms that you are renting up there. Um, but as you do so, you hear a sound from the theater proper. There's no one here. Well, what kind of sound was it? It sounded like one of the uh, chairs falling over. They're separate chairs. They're not all, like, just attached. Hmm. That's a... I feel like that's not a noise you can put down to, like, ah, it's an old building. 
Although you may have seen in the days that you've been here some pretty large rats. You have your doubts. I think it's it's like it's probably not like outside of the realm of possibility that like some kind of animal has gotten into the theater. Is it within reason that I know where like light switches are? Yeah, so the light switches in the theater are not where you might expect them to be. And you haven't ever, I mean, you haven't really gone back there. They haven't been doing any plays or anything, so you haven't really seen it. Yeah, I want to go look in there. In you go. You open the door that leads back into the theater. It is a reasonably sized theater for a, a community theater group. It is sloped down. It used to be a movie theater. The old theater chairs aren't there anymore. Those got sold sometime back. They're trying to replace them. So there are some rows of those, but there are also a lot of um, uh, just folding chairs. And so you go back there and it is dark, uh, although there are some safety lights on, uh, but do illuminate things a little bit. I'm searching for the, uh, you know, the kind of main like bank of light switches. How about read a bad situation okay plus sharp nine plus two is eleven for read a bad situation a ten plus is hold three it says i think i'm just gonna ask one right now are there any dangers i haven't noticed yes you start looking around for the lights you see the chair that must have fallen over and it's to your right and it's toward the corner where it's considerably darker. The Mm -hmm. safety lights don't really reach there, but yet you see a shadow that makes your skin crawl. The shadow seems to be that of a person, but you can't make out anything more than that. It's just a darker shadow there in the, in the shadows. Jacob. Uh You've been dozing there in your truck bed when you feel something hard smack against your boot bottoms. Hey, wake up there. I want to prop my my hat up with my finger, see who it is. Clearly, they're not trying to rob me, otherwise they would have already done it. Well, it's who you might expect. It's the local fuzz. Howdy, officer. It's a mighty fine of you to check up on me like this. What can I do for you this evening? Um, well, I was just wondering if you were planning on sleeping here all night or just for a few minutes to get sobered up. He looks pointedly at the detritus in the cab of the truck. <laughs> you are correct in that, sir. Uh, I was going to uh, uh, take a little bit to get my senses about me before I mosey on. Uh, you know, I don't I don't care to, to drink and drive. I thought it might be safer for the community if I was just parked here for a moment. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't, uh, I don't begrudge you that. Uh, can I take a look at your ID, sir? Yeah, I'm gonna pull it out. I'm gonna slip it to him. Is there anybody else out here with me? Now that I'm, like, kind of sitting up and doing stuff. I feel like this, uh, warrants a roll. I mean, it seems like it's, it could be a bad situation for you, so... How about you read a bad situation? All right, reading a bad situation. That's a cock die. Oh, that is a grand total of five. (laughs) That's an XP, isn't it? It is, yes. You look around and there is no one else around anywhere. Uh, You are under one of the street lights uh, that light up this parking lot and you can kind of see all around pretty good. It's just this cop. This guy is uh, Deputy Andrew Beeler. Is he uh, just checking my ID out? Is that what he's... So he takes your ID. He takes your ID. Is it real? Oh, it's real. It probably has my old Texas address on it. Uh, He says, Texas, huh? You don't have any... uh, I mean, if I were to run this, you don't have any... Uh, warrants or anything, do you? Oh, uh, no, sir, not to my knowledge. You sure about that? I'm pretty sure. He nods. He he does um, actually pull out a kind of a bulky handheld device of some sort and taps in some information from your um, ID into it, and then he hands it back to you. Man, technology today. Man, if I had had that when I was on the force, that would have made this job way easier. Oh, on the force, huh? Long time ago. Um, well... You know, might take a minute here. I gotta check you out. But uh, what what are you doing here in Macon? What brings you up this far north? Um, I had a a friend uh, ask me to come pay her a visit and help her look for a, a lost friend of hers. Kind of like you know, snap my fingers, try to as if I was trying to catch the the name of something. And I'm just gonna drop her name. Uh, it's Haven Haro. Uh, with that name, his demeanor changes. He was actually semi amiable. Oh. 
there for a while. But when you say her name, he's like, yeah. His voice just darkens a little bit. Yeah, you never heard of that then. He says, oh no, I've heard of that name. I'm just wondering why uh, someone who's obviously a drifter would also know that name. LJ. The countryside in Missouri is um, off to either side of you. Along 36, there's actually uh, several places where there are large expanses of lake. Uh, There's dead stumps of trees growing up out of them. Stars reflect down upon them and then uh, create this uh, strange starscape almost that you are driving through, that you're on a a thin ribbon of asphalt uh, between these uh, reflective mirrors of stars and moonlight. And you roar along the highway and you grow closer to your destination. Up ahead, uh, you actually see someone standing on the side of the road. Oh, wow. Uh, Slow down and check it out. The uh, bike revs down as you brake. You see this figure up ahead, and uh, from a distance, you can see the uh, pale features in the moonlight, long hair. You can see that she's wearing too light a clothing for the chill of the night, just a uh, just a t-shirt and jeans, um, no coat. But as you get closer, you almost think that you might recognize her. The features seem familiar. Yeah, I will pull up next to them and attempt to talk to them. You pull up next to Haven Harrow. Haven? Dr. Grace, you're there in the theater. You have a shadow off to your right. With one hand, continue searching for the light. With the other hand, I'm going to... I do have a firearm, and I'm going to go reach slowly towards it. And I'm going to call out the name of the, the person who manages the theater. I'm assuming at this point that it's somebody who works at the theater so you have another hold if you want to use it oh this is true this is true i do have two more holds what's the biggest threat um you actually find the light switch it's one of those uh big breaker switches that is just off to your right there uh, beside the door that you came through you flip it it makes a satisfying chunk sound (laughs) there is a big satisfying chunk sound the main lights come on flooding the entire theater with bright yellow light and standing in front of you is haven harrow what the fuck nathan yeah the deputy there's a, a ping and he says you just hold right on you just hold right there and he unclips his device from his from his belt again and he turns away to look at it and he reads it for a few moments and you can't see his face but you feel him frowning while he's turned away i'm just i'd like to slide my my 357 down underneath the seat to my right the deputy turns back to you but it's no longer the deputy still wearing the same clothes and everything but the face is that of haven harrow oh my god (laughs) and all three of them say help me oh jesus meanwhile in another time and place we left grace and chauncey and lori after they materialized in the chamber of judgment amidst and amongst the angels. Lori almost immediately then tries to angel wing out, but in that in that brief time that you mere mortals and pseudo-mortals are in the chamber among the angels, you saw them in their true form. What did you see, Grace? So here's kind of the thought that I had is that angels in their true forms are extremely eldritch. So one of the things that the human brain does almost in self-defense is to be like, I need to have this in a form that I can understand. So what I was picturing was in kind of these ranked tiers, I was picturing them all kind of standing in these, uh, in this tiered, like almost like an auditorium that uh, rises up and up and up. And uh, as we appear, they all turn as one and look at us like we've interrupted some very important business, which makes it feel very awkward. 
And I was picturing them looking kind of like, like, um, like elves are pictured in like urban fantasy nowadays, just like extremely beautiful, sharp lapel business suit kind of. Yeah, that's what I was picturing. Did they have their wings? I think there's like for a moment, there's like glimpses of things that should not to belong on humanoid shaped beings, like extra limbs and eyeballs and wheels and floating things. And then as like, you know, my eyes adjust to the light and I blink, it, it kind of resolves into like, oh, these are basically like two arms, two legs ahead. How about Mr. Chauncey Candlewick? What does he see? Mr. Candlewick, I'm going to stop for a moment and take in the uh, every, everything amethyst, gemstones of all different types all around this hall of judgment. I guess I might instinctually kind of know what that is. Maybe with some otherworldly sense. Uh, and I see these beings, these angels, I instinctively know what they are. I just kind of, you know, you can picture them as beings of energy, of light. And while it's all very grand and, you know, I suppose I should be swept off my feet with sudden awe, it's what I don't see that really pings into the core of me. What I don't see, I, I've I've been with my dark master for so long. I've seen beings of power, darkness, evil. I've seen it creep in and out, take its many various forms. But there's always been a sense that there was this good versus evil. That there was this duality. And that I've always been on the side of 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 evil and i've been trying to to work towards the side of good but that's not what i see here what i see here is the complete lack of that it's not good it's not evil the only thing i see here is disgust and the disgust i find is not with the creatures of light and their precious little gemstone hall the disgust is that i am weak and before me are yet stronger creatures and as far as the darkness and the light goes I realize now that it's I'm just a puppet in a game and that the only way I'm going to escape this is if I get stronger. Hmm. Contempt. I'm going to like glare at Lori for a second there. But, you know, I really got to thank him for, for opening this door, you know, into, and like shattering my worldviews. Well, at the moment, you don't have time to do so. Lori, your wings spread again and you attempt to take yourself and your companions away from here, I believe we need you to roll some dice for angel wings. My new bone dice, yay. That would be a ten. <laughs> nice. So, to the curio shop. We go. And as Lori's insubstantial wings wrap around you to take you somewhere else, the chamber of judgment fades before... The transportation of, on the wings of angels was immediate, with no sense of passing time. But this time, this time, something different happens. There is a moment, just a moment, but it's such a long moment. And in that moment, you see things happening outside of yourselves, outside of what you should be able to see or know. It is the well cellar of the Castle Cain. Lazarus Cain stands beside no, kneels beside the well. Tears run down his face. I have until morning, he says. They have left your domain, says a voice that is deep and broad and so very, very, very not human, perhaps not even mortal. Until morning to save everything. That was the deal. You have been defeated. Your bargain with me is over. The other remains. No, Cain shouts, but even as he parts his lips, the well explodes upward and outward, or rather that which dwells in the well, beneath the well, a shape that cannot exist and somehow does not exist, at least upon the mortal plane, bursts forth. In one cataclysmic eruption that takes less than heartbeats, Castle Cain is blasted apart, but, but, but then it also hangs suspended in the air. Masonry and wood and armor and gargoyles and all of its rooms and secrets held aloft in the grasp of something, of, of the indescribable, of the sense of vast tentacles that rear into the sky like anemones stretching from the seafloor, of curling darkness that slithers with ichor, of something poisonous and wretched and insane 
and powerful. And somehow, in that heartbeat of suspension, those tentacles and those rooms expand and spread and occupy a new space, one that is about an hour's distance by horse and wagon, the town of Bledson. And then there is the flapping of wings and the thick smell of cardamom, and you appear in the curio shop off of Bledson's main square. The bell above the door tinkles as Nathan Redbone pulls it open in order to exit, but he and Isabella both stop and look back when you materialize from the night. Oh, you made it out, says Nathan Redbone in his perpetually changing accent. (laughs) Glad to see you are safe, Nathan. And you all remember what you saw in that moment of transport, as somehow the the tentacles and the castle became insubstantial, translucent almost, and then somehow overlaid oh, the town man. of Bledson. That makes me uncomfortable. That's uh, that's a problem. <laughs> like a dual exposure, or like bits of castle are physically like landing on the town. Yeah, it's more like double exposure where. There's a, just a, another image, and it, it only happened in that moment. I mean, you look out through the dirty windows of the curio shop into the main street of Bledson, and you see the town square, and you see shops and, and such arrayed around it, and it's night, but there's enough light from the moon. The storm seems to have cleared now, so there's no more beating rain and thunder and crashing lightning. Uh, scudding clouds that you, again, see just vague hints of through the windows of the shop. But also a a moon pretty close to full is illuminating the scene, and you don't see that overlay now. You saw it in that moment of transition as Lori brought you here. You know, I'm going to adjust my hat, and then I'm going to look at the rest of you. It's like, I believe we have a little more work to do here. What do you... What are you all talking about, starts to say Nathan Redbone. And then out in the square, there's a howl. And a large, larger than human, in fact, but humanoid in appearance, a large creature of some sort leaps up onto the center fountain of Bledson and lifts its head and howls toward the moon. Nathan, dear, close the door and lock it, please. And Nathan Redbone just closes the door and locks it. (laughs) Until next time on Gothic. Oh, man. The Gothic Podcast is produced by C. Patrick Nagel, with theme music by Zoe Hovland and cover artwork by Jared George Art. Listen to The Gothic Podcast on Podbean or wherever you get your podcasts. Follow The Gothic Podcast on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, or email us at thegothicpodcast at gmail.com. Support for The Gothic Podcast comes from you, our listeners, so please visit our Patreon page. Thanks. (laughs) 